If you make wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision, it's possible that somebody's going to question your judgment. Isn't it possible? So if you want people to think you're smart and wise, then you try to make the right decision. So you may be a little slower in coming to the conclusion because you want to listen to more facts because you want to be right. Some people make decisions and they don't even have to have all the facts at all. They just start, did you know blah, 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 blah? I know the answer. I got the answer. Wait a minute. You don't even know the question. You won't listen. Listen to the whole thing. Remember, everybody has problems. And as a preacher, I get to find out what some of those problems are. I have no desire to hear everybody's problems. But sometimes in trying to solve problems, I have to listen to a problem. And there's always her side, his side, and the truth. And just because the person who came to me with the problem doesn't mean that he's telling me the truth. True? It might be because I don't know the whole thing and I can give advice on little knowledge and it'd be the wrong thing to tell them. I love talking to everybody involved. So he says there in verse 20, when the men were come unto him, unto Jesus, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and the plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sights. Wait a minute, you want to know if I'm the Son of God, or do you look for another? So in the same hour, look what he did. So a wise man would look and observe and watch and come up with the right answer. Now, can you come up with the right answer? As you read the Word of God, and if you've looked over your life, and you've seen those results of many of your own decisions, can you find out that, you know, God is right. God is right. Well, here they were able to watch and observe Jesus doing something miraculously. And look in verse 22. Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way. Tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. You have your answer. Their judgment is revealed. How wise are they? But now, see, they saw, and they went back, and they told. And he says in verse 24, And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. But see, they had the message, they went back, and they told. Others were there also, and they watched Jesus. They saw the same thing that these that came from John saw. But they did not come out to the same conclusion. Everybody has ears, but not everybody hears. People got eyes, but not everybody sees. So he says there in verse 24, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? See, there's a question. The question deserves an answer. The answer reveals the wisdom of the person that answers the question. In life, there's all kinds of things that will happen in your life. Trials and tribulations, testings. All right, how you handle them reveals how wise you are. People watch to see your choices. For example, if I had a man telling me, oh, I love the Lord. Oh, I love the Lord. Okay. 
Do you read the Bible? I haven't got time. Hmm. Do you, what church do you go to? Well, I don't go to church. But he loves the Lord. He really loves the Lord. When's the last time you won somebody to Christ? Or have you talked to anybody? Well, I haven't got time to do that. Now, by the things he's telling me and the choices that he's made about what he does or doesn't do will answer my question. Does he really love the Lord? Christ says, if you love me, serve me. If a man don't serve him, I don't believe they love him. Am I wrong? That's how the Bible says the judge. So you see, there's things that people do that reveal things, can give answers. Wisdom is justified by our children. Here's a woman. She has kids. Look at the kids. You might be looking at the face of the mom. The way they act might reveal how they've been taught or trained, especially when they're little small ones. They get big enough. Hey, they're on their own. But sometimes you hope, oh, I hope they'll serve the Lord like they're supposed to. Look what else it says here. So he says in verse 25, but what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But another question, what went you out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. You know, a lot of times you wonder about that last statement. No prophet ever born greater than John the Baptist. But I say unto you, he that is... As he says here, least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. He says, that, that doesn't make any sense. What a statement to make, but don't understand it. And if you don't understand it, it seems like Jesus just made a statement that doesn't make any sense. No prophet as great as John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. Remember this. In this world, as a man, John the Baptist. But he's limited. He's in a physical body. He can only do so much. But let's say, for example, along comes Yankee. And I trust Christ as my Savior. And God saves me and gives me eternal life. But I'm not a good servant of the Lord. But did you know what? I would rather be me saved and the least in the kingdom of heaven than John the Baptist here and be unsaved. As great as he is as a man born of a woman, but the greatest thing is a man born of God. The second birth is greater than any man ever born of a woman, excluding Jesus, you know. Because you can be the greatest man ever born upon this earth, able to do anything and everything but if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, the man who does is greater, regardless of how that person may live. He made the wisest decision. Now, get this. In verse 29 is very important. It just looks like it's just thrown in there. It hasn't had much value. But look at verse 29 and underline this word, all, or circle that word, all. All the people that heard him and the publicans. So the common people the tax collectors, the worst 
justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. In other words, when John came and he preached, the people believed what John the Baptist said. And if they believed what he said, then they were baptized. So they heard, they believed, and they were baptized, and that reveals their wisdom. So those people were wiser than those in verse 30. See that in verse 30? But, contrast, the Pharisees and the lawyers, and there's another word, you ought to underline that word, rejected. Rejected the counsel of God. But who is the one that gave the counsel of God? John the Baptist. See, God can use people to bring forth the word of God. Is it possible for you to come here to Calvary Community Church and hear the word of God and you take what I say from the word of God as the preacher says? That's just what the preacher says. And you don't have to listen to what the preacher says. But what if the preacher gave you the counsel of God? If you rebel against what I've taught from this book and it's the word of God, you're in trouble. You are not to reject it just because of the messenger if the message is true. That's where you reveal your wisdom. Yes, you can separate it if you wish, but you better listen to what the preacher has to say. They didn't listen to what John said. They didn't like John. John didn't praise the Pharisees. John bowed to no man. But what he said was the counsel of God and some people, the common people, the tax collectors, they listened to John. Now, that revealed their wisdom. So whenever the Pharisees and the lawyers did not believe, did they reveal their wisdom? Yes. And their wisdom was inferior to those they looked down their nose at. Look at those sinners, those publicans. And yet here they were, and they couldn't see it. They didn't understand. They weren't wise. They were fools. So Jesus told them something in verse 31. He says, what can I compare them to? So in verse 31, he says, and the Lord said, whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? What are they like? Now, some people will never even understand the illustration that he gives. He says, they are like unto children sitting in the marketplace, calling one to another and says, hey, we piped unto you and you have not danced. In other words, it's like, hey, we played the music and you didn't dance. And then he says, we have mourned and you didn't weep. In other words, somebody died. We mourned and you're supposed to cry. So they didn't dance and they didn't cry. What's wrong with you people? Jesus is using this as an illustration. Some people just never get it. They don't have the wisdom of discernment. Now, this is one of the advantages of when you trusted Christ as Savior, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit to help you to see, to understand, and make wiser decisions. So he says here in verse 33, he refers now back to John and back to himself. You see, John the Baptist coming on the scene forced the people to make a choice. 
They had to decide, what are you going to do with this man? Who is this man? Are you Elijah? Are you one of those prophets? <laughs> he says, no, 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 no. He says, I'm just a voice in the wilderness. I'm not even worthy to bend down and tie his shoes. Now, he knew who he was, and he knew what he was. And so he says in verse 33, For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say, he hath the devil. So in other words, what they said about John was wrong. Their conclusion was wrong. John the Baptist, you don't find where he's talking and having all these meetings in the house of the Pharisees and sitting around here eating food. John the Baptist was like a wild man out of the wilderness. And he ate locusts and wild honey and who knows what he looked like. But he was a prophet of God. He didn't come to fellowship. He came to preach. And what he said, some people believed. Some people did not. And so because he didn't fellowship with everybody and mingle with everybody like, well, like Jesus did. The Bible says they said he hath a devil. That statement, he hath a devil. The truth is, did he have a devil? No. So their judgment was what? Wrong. And because they were wrong in what they said, they didn't listen to his message. And they didn't believe it. And the reason they were baptized is because they believed the preaching of John the Baptist. And he preached that they should believe on him who was coming after him. He taught them to believe on Jesus Christ. Well, they didn't believe in Jesus Christ coming, and they didn't believe in John the Baptist. And Jesus says, this is the one that's prophesied in the Old Testament that he would come and be the forerunner. And he says, this was the one that if you believed on the Messiah, then John the Baptist would have been your Elijah that was to come in Malachi. Because John the Baptist and Elijah were the same type of an individual. So look what he says here. Verse 34. This is what they said about the Son of Man. He did come, and he did eat with everybody. And he drank. But I don't believe he drank strong drink. But because he mingled with the people, and he fellowshiped, and he talked, and he ate with them, and all that, they said, he sits with the sinners. If he only knew how bad that woman was, he would never have allowed her to touch him. They said things about Jesus that wasn't true. They said things about John the Baptist that wasn't true. That revealed how wise they are. And so wisdom is justified of her children. In other words, your decisions that you make, your conclusions reveal your wisdom. And these decisions are the children of your thoughts. So he says in verse 34, The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say... Now, if they were wrong what they said about John the Baptist, I believe they were wrong on what they said about Jesus. Well, he's just a glutton. All he does is sit around eating food all the time. And believe it or not, when you read, he went to a lot of parties. I would rather be Jesus any day than John the Baptist. I mean, locusts and wild honey. Wild, wild honey is not so bad, but eating grasshoppers just don't appeal to me. Unless, of course, maybe you can dip them in chocolate. But look what he says here in verse 34. 
And ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Now, he was a friend of publicans and sinners. But it didn't mean he did what they did. Just because he reached them and he sat with them. And he always taught the truth. And no man was able to ever find one fault in Jesus. He never broke the law. He did not do anything wrong. He didn't do what those religious hypocrites think that he ought to have done. He didn't obey them. But what he did was right. But they revealed their wisdom by accepting or rejecting. Now, when a person is given the gospel, some people reveal their wisdom by accepting Christ as their Savior. Others by rejecting Christ as their Savior. But what about those individuals that know Christ as their Savior? You know the Lord. You know you're going to heaven when you die because you have accepted the payment Christ made on the cross of you. Now, that is a very wise decision. It's one of the smartest things you'll ever do in your life. It's the wisest thing you've ever done was to trust Christ as your Savior. But now after you've trusted Christ as Savior, did you know that there's still a battle for your life? Satan can't get your soul, but he's after your life. He wants to ruin and to destroy you. So God says, for my children, I've got wisdom for my children to have so that they can know which way to go, right or left. You know, what, what to believe and not to believe. So he gave us sound words, sound doctrine, so that we can have a sound mind and a good solid life. Otherwise, you're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes along. And the Bible says the wisdom of this world is not the wisdom of God. So therefore, you have a choice to make. This is why you read and study God's word, because the study of God's word will give you discernment for life. Then you have something more to offer people than just the humanistic wisdom of the world. Giving people your opinion. And how many people love to give their opinion? And don't we admire the wisdom of all those individuals that come to us for our advice? And look at all those fools that don't take our advice. Do you even follow your own advice? Can you tell yourself what to do and make yourself behave? Do you even listen to you? And you want other people to listen to you? So that's why if you're going to give counseling to people and tell people things, you want to know the book so that you can tell them correctly. Because, you see, we're going to have to give an account one day for every idle word. And God talks about in his word about the things that people have decided based upon what we said. And in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, when he's talking about the Pharisees, he says, you make twofold the children of hell by you're not going and you keep other people from going because they, you, you're telling them wrong. You're lying to people. You deceive the people. You go back and you read the book of Jeremiah where it gets onto the, the people because they did not do what they should. And they said that God said, and God says, I didn't say that. And they lie to people. They deceive people. They lead them astray. There was consequences to all those people who didn't go into the land because they listened to what a couple people had to say that went into the land. Eight people come back with an evil report, or ten of them, and all that damage that was done because they misled people. So do you think it, uh, it makes a difference? Oh, it makes a difference.
And it makes a difference in our lives. Now, there's a lot more to this that I don't have time to, to, to cover right now. But I just want you to know that, that, that it does make a difference. In your Christian life, people will judge whether you're wise or not by the decisions you make. And they'll know whether or not you are a fool by the decisions you make. Sometimes uh, we prejudge quickly. And I always like to give people a chance to save face. I hope they do that for me. And nobody wants to make a decision and everybody jump all over them and stomp them down with your feet. No, sometimes you let people along and they'll see it. And you pray that they'll be able to correct that problem. And whenever you give some advice to somebody, make sure it's the counseling that comes from this book. Knowledge that you have from what God has to say, what does God want? And it'll help you tremendously. Look up here. For those that are here and those that are watching by the internet, the most important thing you can ever do, and you will reveal your wisdom by the decisions you make. I can't make anybody trust Christ as their Savior. I can only share the message. And I hope that you don't reject the message because you don't like the messenger. I may not say it the sweetest way. I wish I could talk real smooth and sweet. I just never have learned how to do it. But there are some that can do a great job at that. But I've not that away. I just, this is the message. And I want you to listen to what it says. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God says that he loves us. That means he loves you and loves you. And if you understand God loves you. Now, he hates what you do wrong, but he loves you. Now, did you know that every time I'm doing this, I'm counseling somebody. If somebody is lost, I'm trying to tell them something on how to make the greatest decision of their life. And believers who have heard this a thousand times says, is that all he knows? Then you're not thinking about the ones that have never heard it before. What if you were sitting here and you were lost? Wouldn't you want to hear it? I think so. God loves us. Hates our sin. To pay for sin, the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God and hell. Since everybody sins, everybody's condemned. We're all in the same boat. The whole world is guilty before God. And God says to go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. Because of sin, see, we can't get in. So the Bible says there's only one thing has to be done. You have to pay for your sins. Well, that's good. What do I have to do? Go to church? No. Give money? No. The payment for sin is death. You have to die. It's eternal separation from God. And so, therefore, you don't want to pay it. This end represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took ours, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And he said that if you and I, if we would believe that he did it, the payment he made, this death payment he made, he puts it to our account. And I have a payment for my sins. I am to accept this payment. I have a payment for my sins. means I don't have to pay for them. I have a receipt that says I got it paid in full. So that's why I can't go to hell today or tomorrow or in the future because Christ paid my full debt, my whole debt. I don't have any sins to pay for. I can't go to hell and pay for one sin. They're all paid. The law can't touch me. The law can't condemn me because I have a, a receipt. Jesus Christ is the living proof of payment. Those scars in his hands is my eternal proof of payment. My sins are paid for. I go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. 
And that's the best news that I ever heard, and I heard that 53 years ago. Now, I wasn't the smartest kid in the world, but I heard this, and this made sense to me. I trusted Christ as my Savior. That was the smartest, wisest decision I've ever made in my life. There's other people that have heard more than I have, raised in the Christian home, gone to church all their life, and still they've never trusted Christ as their Savior. They might someday, but they never trust the Lord. And that reveals how foolish they are. Only a fool would turn down a free gift. Thinking they got a lot of time, what would you wait for? I had one person tell me this. I said, why haven't you trusted Christ as your Savior? He says, because if I trust the Lord, I'll be God's child. And if I'm God's child and I live the way I am now, God will whip me. So I can live the way I am now, and I'm lost, and it won't matter. I had never heard anybody say that before. You, you have to have a certain amount of understanding just to say that. I says, well, have you thought about this? What if you die before you trust the Lord? And he stared at me. He said, I've never thought of that. So he said, I, he said he'd trust the Lord. He was a 17-year-old kid. He was a missionary kid. But he never trusted the Lord. This is what he told me. Blow your mind. Some people are always trying to figure out. Well, if I trust the Lord, I'll be God's child. And if I'm God's child, and if I don't serve the Lord, then God will whoop me. So why should I become God's child? That way he can't whoop me because I'm not his child. Yeah, but he could let you die. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. But you see, one little wise statement helped him to make a wise decision. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here this morning or this evening and you've never trusted the Lord, why not right now? I hope you understand that, yes, God loves you. And he sent his son to die for you. And he said that he would give you as a free gift everlasting life. And all you had to do is believe it. There's no tricks to it. There's no gimmick. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. You don't have to join this church to go to heaven. You don't have to give any money. You don't have to do anything. Salvation is a gift. It's free. All you need to do is believe that when Christ died, he died for you. Paid for your sins. And if he paid for your sins, friend, that means if you accept that payment, you don't have any sins to pay for. Christ is your Savior. He is your payment for your sins. Doesn't that make sense? So with heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. You say, preacher, that made sense to me, and I will right now. I will trust Christ as my Savior. And friend, if you'll do that, just that much, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Just say, yes, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ right now as my Savior. Is there anyone at all before we close? If you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We ask your blessings upon these that are in the auditorium and those that listen on the Internet. Bless each one. And help us, Lord, to read and study your word so that we can be wise as you want us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.